Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Miles, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, sometimes, I mean, I'm mostly normally glad that we don't do this show on video, but like today it's kind of funny because of the state of my recording studio slash closet. Because I get a lot of um, books in the mail and I have them stacked on a shelf in here. And every day is a new adventure of how they will be turned over or torn down. Because if you subscribe to our newsletter, which you can do at televisions.org, you will have seen that my cat's new favorite place to hang out is in the top shelves of my closet. Um, And it's really cute. Uh, I mean, occasionally I'd like to wear the clothes that are up there. So that's kind of an impediment. But... Uh, basically every day is a new adventure in discovering what they've like thrown on the floor to get up there. And I'm just trying to really balance my ginger ale on a shelf right now. And it's, it's very, it's challenging. (laughs) I'm having challenges. (laughs) I love that you threw in a plug for our newsletter. Well, we have cat pictures in the newsletter. For those of you who did not know, we have cat corner, which features photos of our cats or your cats. If you send them to us. Mm hmm. Um, okay, so let's see. What are we talking about today other than the newsletter and cats? Uh, we are talking about a new series that uh, is arriving on, or has arrived, I guess. What is time? A new series on PBS, let's just say it that way, uh, called Marie Antoinette. And I have been looking forward to this one for a while because it is from the same folks that made a show called Versailles, which is extremely historically inaccurate and like kind of bad but bad in like a super fun way like I really enjoyed it um so I was excited to see what they would do with this I can tell you that this Marie Antoinette feels tonally very different than Versailles it's a lot more I think a traditional costume drama than maybe I was expecting because I watched all three seasons of Versailles um no one is like doing magic to pour poison other people like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I will note that it's a different writer um, than Versailles. This is by Deborah Davis, who uh, basically won for The Favorite. Yeah, she won an Oscar yeah. for The Favorite. But I will say that I was a little surprised. Um, if you've seen The Favorite, you know that a lot of the dialogue is really like sharp and snappy and and full of double entendres and and kind of sly asides and it feels like the language feels very modern this show is not like that Mm, no this is much more traditional i absolutely agree um but i do like the fact that um for marie antoinette uh they uh they cast an actual german actress rather than um a british one or you know Kristen dunst um sophia coppola uh i will say that i love that sophia coppola movie I'm not ashamed. You know, but I do think that's actually really useful and um, important for this show because we forget that Marie Antoinette was not actually French. In fact, I think most people probably don't even know that. Like, common people don't know that. She's like the ultimate symbol of France. Right, yeah. Or or at least like France in this time period. Mm -hmm. And I I honestly think... um, I don't know how to word this. Like, I, I think we as a society maybe need to kind of reckon a little in our in our new thing that we're doing about like reckoning with the way we've sort of depicted and understood historical women. I think we are long overdue for a real reevaluation of who Marie Antoinette was and who we tell people she was and who we want to believe she was, because 
I think our popular culture really enjoys a certain idea of her, the the let them eat cake, spoiled rich girl, rich clothes horse who just, you know, is the reason France was full of poverty. Mm-hmm. I mean, the woman probably never said let them eat cake, just for the record. And I don't know. We just have this idea of her that I don't think really matches up to the woman that she actually was. And it certainly doesn't mash up to kind of what I expect the experience of a 14 year old girl going into a strange court would have been like. And I think I I think we kind of all need to reckon with that a little bit and how we look at women in history. I don't know that this show is necessarily the right vehicle for that. I like it a lot. Um, but because it is a little more traditional than I was expecting it to be, I think I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit more subversive, subversive, a little bit more like self-aware than it is. Like it's a good drama, don't get me wrong. But I think I was hoping it might be a little more serpent queen than mm. I don't know. Or a little bit more the great. Well, the great is the great is, I think, a bad example because that is so like openly we made this all up. Mm. But I feel like, yeah, I, I was hoping for a little more serpent queen and a little less, you know, very traditional drama. Master, traditional, traditional masterpiece drama. Mm. Um, I think actually this being a traditional sort of masterpiece drama, by the way, this is not actually via masterpiece. Masterpiece. I know. Is not, isn't that so weird? I keep thinking it should be. It, it, it kind of should be. Um, it was actually produced by the BBC and Canal Plus, um, which is kind of like the big France uh, production studio. Um, and it's very much it feels very much like a BBC like stayed uh kind of program um it does really feel like the sort of thing that you would find on masterpiece at 9 p.m but it's actually picked up by uh pbs distribution for 10 p.m um and i think that's partly a little bit because of the sex um or the lack of sex depending on your perspective um there is quite a bit of sex in this show just in general though not in those not in these first two episodes i've actually seen most of the season um unlike lazy i've only seen the first two which is all we're going to talk about today because i'm in the recapper's chair and as i've said on this show many times i don't like to watch past where i'm writing because i don't want to I don't want to be that person who's like, oh, no, what if this means this thing? And then it turns out I was right because I'd seen three episodes ahead. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I uh, I will warn viewers that there is actually sex coming up and not to worry if we wondered why this was so sexist. Not between uh, uh, Marie and Louis, however. I want to point out that uh, this show is a... It's... It, it really start even though the actress is 30, it starts with her at the age of 14, Marie at the age of 14, coming to the court. And it really does sort of emphasize how much of an outsider she was and how innocent she was when she got here. Um, and I think that's something that we don't um, discuss a lot because we don't talk about the fact that she was that she was a kid. Right. And that she was basically a pawn. Like the thing is, historically, that's not even weird. Mm-hmm. That's when royal people got married. Mm-hmm. Like they, there's that's just when that happened. And it's sort of very upsetting to us from a modern perspective. But it wasn't weird. No, but we don't like to think about it. So we sort of like mentally age people up sort of the way they did on Game of Thrones. Hmm. Marie uh, Marie Therese was her mother, who uh, I believe is one of the Empress shows actually is uh, about her mother that's been floating around. I don't remember which one. I know it's not the Netflix one. It's one of the ones on Walter's Choice. And you really sort of feel how much her daughter is 
answering to her mom here and that she doesn't have a lot of uh she doesn't have a lot of uh uh independence even though technically she's hundreds of miles away from her mother and she's you know trying to make her own way in a place that her mother isn't even there to see what's going on and yet her mother is like ordering her via letters on what she should be doing and what she should try to be doing without any kind of, it, it really you really sort of feel the lack of like any kind of parenting and how much this this child is really like trying to is it, more of a, a is more of a, a, a an employee <laughs> in a way one of the things that really struck me about the first two episodes is how not ignorant, naive is maybe a better word that that both Marie Antoinette and and the Do, uh, the, the Dauphin. What is it? Louis, the Dauphin, mm-hmm. Louis, who will be Louis the Sixteenth, is like they they both don't know anything, right? So I mean, like they they don't know they her what their one job is to literally produce a baby, but they don't know how to do that because <laughs> no one's told them how sex works. And it's really that bedroom scene. I mean, that's probably very accurate in some ways, but it's mm-hmm. really sad. In real life, uh, I believe it took them seven years to consummate their marriage mm-hmm. and another two before she actually started having babies. I, I believe there are uh, there were theories that like he wasn't doing it right. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what that means, but that like basically they had to have a dude come in and show him how to have sex properly so that conception could happen. And that that's why it took her nine years to get pregnant. There are a lot of stories about why that did or did not happen or what it was that helped her mm-hmm. uh, that that helped her finally start having kids. But it is. I, I, I love the fact that we actually don't get a lot of that. Like, I was a little worried that we'd get, like, a lot of the sort of salaciousness. But honestly, like, Louis doesn't even talk in the first two episodes. Right? Yeah. And is also just, like, the kind of guy that you have to be like, man, if he literally was not going to be king of France, like, he has no redeeming qualities. I mean, I guess he likes animals, and that's good. But he, he also seems them. to not like things like hygiene or... <laughs> You know, not walking around the house with dead animals that he just killed because he's obsessed with hunting. I don't I don't know. It's a um, bit it's a bit weird. I, I feel really bad for him. Um in real life he was actually the second son, um, who kind of accidentally stumbled into being the Dauphin after the first son was, you know, obnoxious and died. Um, and so like there's level where like there's a lot of people who are really mad at him. Like his younger brother hates him because his younger brother is like, You get to be the, the Dauphin, I don't, and I'm much better suited for this. Fun fact, I'm pretty sure the younger brother actually does become king, sort mm-hmm. of after the revolution yes he does if memory serves which he kind of is a jerk so i hate mm-hmm. that he gets reported eventually i believe he's charles 10 um but yeah uh, i also i discovered how little i really do about this time period um you know i had to look up who princess lamval was the 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 ward that's the italian with them. girl yeah i because i thought because charles marries 
an Italian girl as well. And I thought that that was his wife for most of the first episode. And then I realized that it wasn't. And then we meet his wife like later on. And I was like, oh, okay. But like I had to look up who she was and like figure out how she was related to these people. And like it's really difficult. Like they don't do a lot of that sort of explaining that you're sort of used to in shows where you don't know who is who. They sort of like let you figure it out. So this is very much a show where a Wikipedia on your phone is your friend. <laughs> um, I like the random sisters, but they're mm. Louis the fifth. They're Louis the fifteenth sisters. Yeah, you didn't catch that. I Not did catch that. Louis the future sixteenth sisters. Um, who are who are totally like they are they they are game players, but they're really bad game players. Like they want to get rid of Louis's. Uh, uh, mistress. Madame de Berry is her name. And poor, poor, poor Marie Antoinette does not know that she's a whore. Well, nobody told her. <gasps> yeah. And um, to be honest, I'm not even going to judge Madame de Berry about that because if you read any history of French court, like all of the French kings basically had a, a particular favorite side chick, if you will. <laughs> And a lot of them are very well known. I mean, look look at the Serpent Queen, Madame de Poitiers, was mm-hmm. also a, a, a French mistress. And I can't be mad at women who, yes, Madame de Berry is, is a huge jerk in the second episode, and she is really unfair to Antoinette, but she's also not wrong and this is the only way she has to maintain her own position. Like, she... She knows what's up. So I kind of respect that. Um, I also love that she was in um she was uh part of that that the French episode the French episodes in Outlander, that actress. Um, which I I I don't remember who she played, but I recognized her and I thought that was I I had kind of a moment of ooh, Outlander crossover. I don't think I've gotten all the way through season two of Outlander yet. I have to take breaks from Outlander because you know of all the rape. I I get that. Um, c- can we talk a little bit about James Purfoy as uh, as as Louis the Fifteenth? Because I um I was a little taken aback by how clearly he wants to sleep with Marie Antoinette. Um, ew. <laughs> I don't know if that is historically accurate, but I don't know that it would be surprising if yeah. it was. I just love James Purifoy generally, and he seems to be having, like, the best time in this part, so I enjoy watching him, even if he is a complete creep. And I'm sorry, I literally will never be over the the scene where he actually attempts to parent and explain how sex works to his son with, like, exotic foodstuffs, and it's <laughs> honestly horrifying. I, I mean, no wonder the poor boy can't manage it. <laughs> part is that louis just doesn't get it it goes completely over the kid's head like he really and truly does not understand that we are talking about sex here it is deeply uncomfortable it is it is it it is memorably uncomfortable um it is one of those it is one of those moments from this show that like will stay with you because it's like oh i i had to ask myself like how did they get through that without laughing Especially because, like, Louis it clearly and truly does not get it at the end. Um, I also, um, I find that, uh, that this show very much wants to make Marie Antoinette a, 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 
a, a, a sympathetic heroine. And I feel like it does a good job of that. I am less convinced that it is a feminist take on her, though. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there. And I've only but I've only seen the first two episodes. So the fact that you still say that and have seen further than me is slightly concerning because I do feel like they have kind of positioned this show as a as a more feminist take on Marie Antoinette. Mm hmm. And I don't know that I see that in the first two episodes. I also have to say that the fact that all the trailers for this series have, uh, like, they've all shown that kiss between Madame du Barry and Marie mm. Antoinette. They show the partying and they try to, I don't know, This the trailers seem to be pushing a certain sort of angle that the show does not have. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. I think if you watch it looking for like, I'm going to be shocked by the salaciousness of all of this, you're going to be disappointed because it's not at all like that. And I think that's actually important because I don't think her life was like that. Mm. So in some ways, I think that is progress if we try to actually tell her story that frames it in a way that she is a she's a, a kid, a teenager who is scared and alone and trying to navigate a space in a world that she's been told is her only reason for living basically, but has never, but she's not gotten a lot of help in this. I like, I I like that it's a little, I think more probably true to life than some versions of this more true to life, certainly than the trailers make it look. Um, I was really shocked because that kiss that's in the trailer is in the second episode. And Oh, it's totally it's, out of context. Yeah, it's incredibly out of context. And that makes me upset because, like I said before, I think our popular culture likes to lean into this specific image of who this woman was and what kind of life she led and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, y'all aren't helping. Mm. <laughs> I, I do think that that is... Um, remember, this is a BBC production and it is a France production. And that the two and that th those production studios are looking to sell this VSX, especially in the UK on BBC Two. Um, and I feel like that there is a level where the show is better than that, um, and they don't care, or that they don't think letting people know that the show is better than that will sell. So that's that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, and this is really. Um, by putting it at 10 p.m., I think it also makes viewers expect more salaciousness. Oh, I will fully say that I thought it was going to be more like Versailles. And mm. I was actually concerned when I had heard PBS had acquired the show because, as I, like I said, I loved Versailles. I thought it was great. I enjoyed every episode of it. That show does not belong on PBS. <laughs> and so I was slightly concerned that because they're sort of from the same family, if you will, that this would also be a mismatch. But it's actually much more PBS appropriate than I expected it to be. Hmm. But I don't know that everyone else expects that. <laughs> That's true. I I will say that, like, it's a beautiful show. Oh like, gosh. I, I want to be absolutely clear. They actually film in Versailles. Um, and it's obvious that they did. Um, like, they... Pal they I had a panic they attack in Marie Antoinette's bedroom the one time I went to Versailles. Uh, they they film at the Palace of Fontainebleau. Um, those they're just the costumes are just gorgeous. Like I know the dresses are amazing. Um, and it, and that's just in the first two episodes. Also, um, I I love the dog. 
Oh, Mops. Oh, I love the dog. And I'm I'm really glad that she gets the dog back. And actually, I have to say that that actually threw me because I it made me expect them to go a little faster with their relationship with 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 that that Louis, you know, that this was his way of apology and I sort of expected it to get better and it it, it they they really do draw it out over the Well, it was 7 years. I know. I desperately want these two to basically team up. I think they're really adorable. Mm-hmm. Like I really think the show does a great job of making you know, I mean they're both at the end of the day, like there's a lot of great costumes and stuff in this. And clearly they're both like two of the richest and most privileged people in the world. Their lives are not hard. But this story is a tragedy. Mm. Like they are both stuck in situations that they didn't ask for and they don't know how to navigate. And like this is it's it's honestly sad. It's it's sad, despite the fact that I'm being like, oh, it's so sad that they have to marry each other and be the king and queen of an entire country. Ooh, cry. But it is. And I think they're really like I kind I really like they have really great um chemistry. I think their relationship is really sweet. It's it's easy to root for them, mm. which is unexpected, I think. You know, one of the things about this show is that as I said I didn't know a, I I thought I knew more about this than I did. Um and one of the things I had to go look up was sort of the difference between Louis 15th and Louis 16th because I'd sort of smushed them together in my brain. Mhm. And I didn't realize just how ill-prepared Louis the Sixteenth was to rule. That this really was just absolutely not his forte. Well, second son, second son syndrome. I mean, I guess he's lucky that he was born when he was born because a hundred years earlier he would have been given to the church already. Mm. And I feel like you know, even though he doesn't speak in those first two episodes, you really feel how terrified he is of Marie. He feel and and how how ill prepared he is to take the throne, and I mean, it, he feels kind of feral to me. <laughs> he does. Feel it's kind like of a little feral. feral animal that you know. Like uh, I grew up in the country, so like we have a lot of. My mom still actually has a lot of cats that are outside cats that just sort of wander around and come and go, and they don't come in the house. They're outside cats. Like he's an outside cat. <laughs> like you put a little dish of food outside and. Like, maybe he comes and sleeps on the porch if he's been in, like, a little kitty fight or something. He's very like that to me. <laughs> um, what really also struck me is how terrified of her he is. Not just of, like, the sex, though that is definitely clearly part of it, but that he's terrified of her. That she, that, that the persona that she's sort of been forced to put on by her mother, that everyone is telling her is going to win the day. You know, and he's going to seduce her husband is 1000% the wrong direction because you take one look at him and you know that really what she should do is like, I don't know, like come over like wearing like, you know, her her comfy PJs and like hang out on the porch with a bowl of milk. Right. Like she 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 they're telling her to trap him the way you would a sophisticated man. And what she has is a feral animal. Mm -hmm. it, it, it made me also really want to see them succeed, to see her figure out how to communicate with him and him communicate with her and them team up, even though they're both probably completely useless at this job and they should not be put in charge of anything. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think part of it, too, is that Louis is so um, 
like his family isn't as mean to her to him as they are to her. Oh, Lord, they're mean. But I don't think his family likes him much either. No, they don't. And that 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 is very obvious that Louis the 15th won't let people say anything bad about his son because his son is the heir. But he doesn't know what to do with this feral thing that's sitting on the porch to continue your uh, my feral my feral cat analogy. Yeah. To continue your analogy, he doesn't know what to do. He expects an Indorian cat and he has a he has a feral creature and the others are all just like this kid is useless and he's dumb and he doesn't talk and we don't like him and we're going to run him over. And I, I believe I believe it's one of the 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 um the prime ministers who is dumb enough to actually say that out loud at one point. And it's 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 curtains for him after that. I don't think that happened. I don't think that's happened yet. But it's basically like that, that you really can't talk against him, even though they're all doing it behind his back. Well, he 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 is the heir, and if things that are said publicly about the heir not only are bad for him, but they reflect badly on the king. Mm. So there's that. I suppose that's true. But I do like I like them. I kind of like want I like I'm rooting for them. I want them to be happy. I want them both to not get beheaded later <laughs> in their life. But they will. But they will. Um. And I think that's a little bit, too, of what, like, kind of the overlaying tragedy of all of it is, is that, like, we know what happens to them. Mm. And and whether or not, I mean, there, his, historians have been arguing for how long about about the French Revolution and how it came about and, and what happened to them and if they deserved it and blah, blah, blah. Um, but a lot of that, of course, history is written by the winners. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know how much you can trust some of it. Because nobody's going to be taking up the cause of the guy you just beheaded in their historical record. It's true. I mean, even 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 when the monarchy kind of undergoes its restoration, like they sort of left that all there as well. And that happened and it was unfortunate. And now we're moving on. Um, I do think that a lot of what we know about Marie Antoinette. And I think this show has helped convince me is that what we see is the political things that were thrown at her, that this was the propaganda that the that 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 those who wanted to take down the monarchy were putting out there. I mean, I know I keep bringing it back to the Serpent Queen, but it's because I loved the Serpent Queen. And I think one of the things that the Serpent Queen did really well was to sort of show the way that powerful women tend to be remembered in history and they tend to be remembered uh for the worst things for the worst things that they've ever done rather than for like their best intentions which i guess is probably true for anyone but i think it's always harder for women who are are generally i think viewed more harshly by history just full stop um and i think much like catherine de medici our modern idea of who this woman was is really influenced by the fact that the people that didn't like her won. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, there's legitimacy in demonizing the people that you defeated. I mean, like I said, I keep coming back to this because it's just, it's wild. She never said, let them eat cake. <laughs> um, I, I am, um, I feel like this is also one of those shows that is doing something, is showing us a new a place that we don't usually get to see, if that makes sense. We are so used to, like, Victorian England or Regency England or, mm-hmm. you know, 1920s interwar England. 
and getting this, you know, even though this is a time that we have like talked about in a lot of ways, you know, because it's Victorian and it's 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 Georgian and it's this it's this it's this era that we do sort of know. Like Poldark was basically like dealing with this on the other side of the ocean. Oh right, I forgot about his like boat trip to France. Uh, Poldark. Mm-hmm. And I I I feel like this is showing a piece that like we don't usually get to see and that there is a level of of undeniable ridiculousness to their lives that the show happily leans into one of my favorite things mm-hmm. um that happens in the first episode is uh you see uh, marie antoinette is in austria and she has to take all of these classes on like french etiquette so she'll know how to how to act and behave and how they bow at French court and blah, blah, blah. And her tutor is upset with her because she's slacking off or not doing as well or whatever. And as she finally turns around and does like a, a picture perfect curtsy and looks up and smiles and says, is that good enough for Versailles? And it to me had like a really air of Meghan Markle to it a little bit, like a very self-awareness that, that, I honestly wish the show would do a little bit more of, but because I thought that was really such a standout moment for her character. Like she's not, she's not dumb. She's not, she's not, she might be naive, but she's not stupid. You know, I think that also goes with the Madame Dubarry stuff. Um, that she is a, you know, she's enamored with this beautiful woman who seems to have like everything, who gets a horse literally handed to her in the middle of the throne room and then walks off and then trots off on it, you know, but she's not stupid. And in fact, when she realizes that she's sort of been had, that, that, that her naive, not that her naivete has been used against her, she gets really angry about it. You know, and I, 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 I had to say that was another moment where I sort of felt for her. And it's part of the reason why I think I can't stop rooting for her and Louis is that I want them to sort of get angry. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think that this whole show only works because of um, Amelia Shule. Mm-hmm. She is so incredible. She's the, she's the actress who plays Maria and I think she's just incredible. She's a, she's actually been a, uh, she was a child actress in Germany um, she's been acting since she was 14. This is her first major English language series, mm-hmm. but she's actually like she's been doing this over half her life. Like she is truly she is truly incredible. And I think I think this show works because she manages to put so much in every scene that is not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily in the dialogue. It's like in her face or in her body language or just the way that her expression like shifts slightly. Like it's really, it's really honestly astonishing in a lot, in a lot of scenes. And it, I think for me, gives a real visual representation a little bit of the way that Marie probably herself had to do that same kind of Oh, what's the word I want here? Like, I started to say pretending, but that's not quite what I mean. I just feel like, I don't know. I'm not expressing this very well. I'm just super impressed by her. And I think that the reason the show is good as it is, is because she's at the center of it. 
Um, I would use the phrase code switching. I would I would use that that that's what she sort of does at court, and you see it happening. And you know, I think we're all gonna. Um, uh, Louis Cunningham is the kid who plays uh Louis the Sixteenth. He's a Bridgerton, right? Oh uh, yeah, he's like a minor role in Bridgerton. Like this is re- this is his first major role, period. And uh, I feel like he's gonna get a lot of credit from people for basically having no dialogue and yet expressing a lot like and that you get that that, that he he gets across a lot of the emotion and what 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 he can't say and what they're not hearing in his body language um and what marie is missing by not reading his body language by only listening to the words but i think she also i think maybe it's because he's doing that that she also does that that she has a lot of like there's a lot that her body expresses that her mouth never does and it's because she can't because she can't talk in the same way he can't talk she can't talk but she she can she just she knows she shouldn't and she's trying really hard as you say to you called it pretend i would call it code switch that she's basically trying to code switch to french court and she doesn't speak it that well sometimes and she doesn't quite know what to do, so she and her body is sort of ans- telling you what she really wants to say, but she can't. You know, mm-hmm. you talk. You talked to both of them at TCAs, mm-hmm. yeah. I did. Um, How was that? Um, oh, he was adorable. Um, and uh, he, uh, she had a lot of really like great things to say about the idea of Marie Antoinette as basically this misunderstood figure. I hear that. Her take on why Marie Antoinette was the way she was, it was basically rooted in how traumatizing these early years are for her. You know, she is a public figure. Her entire job is to have a baby. And this guy, he won't touch her. He won't even talk to her. He won't even be in the same room with her. He runs away from her and everybody sees it. I'm sorry. That scene where he literally like runs out of her room when she enters it is... I. I... Truly, I don't think it was supposed to be as funny as I found it, but it was hilarious. Um, and how that that is absolutely humiliating to her. And that she finds herself humiliated over and over again. The whole thing with Madame Dubarry is humiliating. And that she's she's insanely angry that no one will help her. And that even that, that that when she basically says to her mother, I, I need help, her mother's response, her mother's response is get in his bed and sleep with him. And she's like, like, I can get anywhere near him. I can't get within 10 feet of him. What is wrong with you? And that she that there's actually a lot of um, modern sensibilities that she had that were suppressed. And that when she let those things out, that when when her traumatized self basically began to like use partying as a means of escape and use it as a means to power around her to basically like control what she could control. It backfired on her because the world wasn't ready for that. And I thought that was really a fascinating way of looking at it. Um, And it really, especially those later episodes that that we'll get to when we come back to this show, that it really made me look at them in a very different light. Um, I also really love the idea that you know, because both of them talked about whether or not this show was historically accurate. And um, Cunningham's take was that we shouldn't, that historical accuracy doesn't matter. It's really about 
how we translate history through our modern lens. And that mm. this take of Marie Antoinette, maybe it's not the right one. Maybe it's not even as feminist or 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 progressive as we want to believe it is. But this is where we are in modern society. And this is modern society's way of relooking at her. And that that's important, even if it's not getting all the way there, it's still an important step. And I thought that was, I, I, I really loved talking to both of them. I thought they were really great. Um, apparently also they had so much fun like looking up all the different sex like theories <laughs> apparently they had so much fun with that like it was part of their bonding I love that <laughs> um, I don't know what I that just completely like got me off of the train of thought that I was having sorry <laughs> adorable um I don't know. I started to ask you, like, what do you want to see for the rest of the season? But you've seen some of the rest of the season, so you can't answer that. Okay, I have seen up through episode four. So I've seen half the season. And what I will say is what I want to see from the season is they they still haven't had sex. I really want to see them get there. And I really want to see them, like, because this feels like a very slow burn love story. I need it. I I I need to get to this. I I need to get to the burn of the slow burn. Um and uh, um spoiler alert in the the interview she told me that it's not until episode six, so we have a while. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know if the show is is supposed to be a a one and done kind of thing or they Versailles was Versailles was three. It was originally supposed to be a one and done when it was originally um when it was originally greenlit. According to uh IMDB there is a second season, but I have not actually found like the thing that says a second season was greenlit. So yeah. I'm trying to sort of figure out um, if that's just a mistake on somebody's part or if... I don't know. It... IMDb is not to be trusted. Let yeah, me just tell people that straight up. I know. So I've, I've been looking to see if there will be a second season. Again, since I've only gotten... I haven't gotten all the way there yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, dep- I guess it depends how this season ends. But mm-hmm. but if, if there's six episodes and they haven't made an air yet, there's a ways to go in their story. <laughs> and that sort of makes me hopeful that there will be a second season. Um, I mean, Versailles, Versailles was three. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like... You know, one of the things about where the show and and now I'm going to just talk like TV reality. One of the things about the 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 layout of the spring uh, schedule is last year we had called the midwife and we had Sanditon and then we had before we die, which just did not fit in any way, shape or form. No, Even I will just tell I you can- guys, I did not watch before we die. <laughs> I will not watch before we die. It is not rated for me. I mean, tonally, it's a very, it's a very different, it's very different. Like many of these English remakes of, of Walter's Toy shows, just watch the original. Um, it just didn't fit. And I feel like Marie Antoinette is such a better fit for this lineup. It sounds a little weird. You know, we have babies and then we have Sanditon, Jane Austen, and then we have, you know, French Queens. But I do feel like there is a much closer through line to these shows being set together in the I way agree. that in, in the way that like Miss Scarlet and 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 Magpie and Annika had a through line being set together last fall. And it makes me hopeful for more Marie Antoinette, because I feel like this is a show that does fit. As you said, this is much more rated for PBS than you expected. 
And I feel like PBS getting a couple more seasons of this would not be a bad idea. Just based on the two episodes I've seen, I'm sorry, I would not mind seeing more of this. Um, this this is a kind of show that is exceptionally rated for me. Um, and especially with Sanditon ending. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. I feel like there is a there is a space there for this if they decide to make some more of it. I forgot to say what I am hoping for the mm. rest of this season. I want to know is, what you're hoping since I know a little bit more of what's coming. Um, I really do want it to sort of live up to the kind of feminist bona fides that people have been saying it has. And perhaps we just have not reached the point in the story where Marie Antoinette has any real power or influence to be able to deploy. I think that is probably fair. Um, but once she is the mother of the Dauphin, that changes a lot of things. So I don't know. I don't even, I doubt <laughs> since they haven't worked toward making one yet and apparently do not for some time, I don't know that she's going to get to that point this season, but I would just like, I would like to see, I feel like there must be a reason people keep saying this and I want to find out what that reason is because I mean, hi, it's, Hmm. that's my brand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are coming back to this after the season ends. um, So we'll, uh, we'll, we we will return to Marie Antoinette. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or, I mean, I can't do this. But you guys can. It's all on PBS Passport. So if you want to find out if I'm going to be happy or sad, you can just watch all of it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to recap it, so I cannot do that. But if you do, enjoy. All right. That is our uh, introduction to the world of, of Versailles and Marie Antoinette. And as Annie said, we will circle back to it in a few weeks. So hang tight until then. Annie, tell the people where you live on the Internet. Uh, you can find me at any bundle, basically at uh, any kind of social media of your choice. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook and uh, at any bundle on Instagram, which is basically just cat pictures, cat pictures, cat pictures. Um, I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. So if you want to know what I wrote this week, basically just follow me on social media and I will retweet my bylines. Huzzah. I am Lacey MB on Twitter and virtually every other social media platform that there is, even the ones that I don't update that often looking at you post and hive. Ah! Um, <laughs> I don't know. Hive. The internet the internet is wild right now. Uh, if you just want the site and the pod, they are on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. We live at televisions.org. And if you like what we do, you can read our news updates, recaps, lists, sign up for our newsletter, do all kinds of fun stuff, etc., etc. And you can maybe even click on that donate button up top and help us keep making all of this great content, which will also get you access to PBS Passport, which, as I said a second ago, is currently streaming the rest of the season of Marie Antoinette, along with, oh my gosh, so many things that are coming as early and exclusive binges this spring. There's I think before we die is is yeah, one of those before things. Before we die, if, season two is coming. If you are if you are into that, I am not. Astrid, uh, I don't even know all kinds of stuff. Um, we're also getting uh, we're getting marriage, and we're getting our house marriage with the Sean was the Sean Bean and uh, uh, Nicola Walker. Yeah, that's not till like May though. So sit tight for that. Yeah, um, our house is a kind of a a, a, a horror 
show, which I'm really oh, curious. How weird. Yeah, like I think that's also May. So yeah. in the meantime, watch Marie Antoinette and <laughs> Santa I guess. And, or Before We Die, if that is your jam. That will not be me. Um, I'll be watching all... Astrid. I do like Astrid quite a bit. It's a, it's a really good... I really wish they'd call it Astrid and Raphael, though, which is what it's called in France. Um, and I feel like Raphael gets a short shrift by getting her name taken off. Oh my gosh, can you stop interrupting my closing <laughs> spiel? Gosh, these, the people want to get back to their lives. <laughs> As per usual, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. We hope you are taking care of yourselves and taking care of each other get a covid booster if you are eligible for such things take your allergy medicine because it is tis the season for that still i think we're officially in what they call the pollening here in dc now i don't know it's wild but feel good stay safe and come back next week we'll be here talking about something thanks for listening